um, where we're doing a little, just a couple sermons here, getting ready for Christmas as we prepare for our Christmas series and what's coming up. And I'm excited about this. I, I love this this lesson here this morning. Sir and Kierkegaard, I'm gonna, uh, um, great quote. I love this quote. He says this, life is lived forward, but understood backward. Okay, so take some time, let that settle, understand this, you know, just a minute. Yes, everything we do, we, we live for what's coming up this afternoon, for tomorrow, this week. We're looking ahead to what's coming. We're living for what's to come, but we understand that by what's happened to us. I can't make a decision on what I'm going to do today because I don't know what's going to happen today yet. But I can make a decision on what I'm going to do today based on what's happened in the past and what probably will happen based on what I've understood backwards. I can then plan for something ahead of me. Very cool, very understanding, but let's jump into scripture and try to understand this and get it. Um, We're going to be in Isaiah, so um, I'm going to jump to Isaiah chapter 11 in just a little bit, but first of all, Revelation. So we're going to first go to Revelation. Don't jump to Revelation yet. You can just read it on the screen, but if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Isaiah, and look at this, Revelation chapter 1. To the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne and from Jesus Christ who is a faithful witness the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth I love this passage just a couple verses here there's so much packed into this as revelation begins who who is now who was past who is to come future and the seven spirits We're going to hang on to that. Just put that somewhere in the back of your head. Seven spirits. We're going to catch this again here in just a minute. The seven spirits. And then Jesus. It's Jesus. It's always about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. He is a faithful witness. This is an amazing unpacking of who Jesus is. Past, present, future, getting there. So it's Isaiah 11. Let's go here. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn there. Um, Isaiah is, let me unpack it for you just a little bit. He's a major prophet in the Old Testament. So we're going to go to the Old Testament to learn about Jesus in this. One of the major prophets, one of the big prophets during this time period. And he wrote during the expansion of the Assyrian Empire, the bad guys, and the decline of Israel, the good guys. This was somewhere in between uh, 720, 721 BC in this time period that this was going on. So 700 years, a little over that, before Jesus came the first time. The bad guys were taking over. Their, their empire, their soldiers, their, um, their leaders, their kings were taking over. The Israelites were losing ground. So the, Israelite, the Assyrians were sweeping across the countryside, taking everything in their path. The countries of Aram and Israel, they kind of joined forces. A couple good guys, and they went to a king named Ahaz. And the king named Ahaz, he was the king of Judah, and they tried to talk him into helping. Say, come on, we need your help in this. They were building allies with their armies. He refused. He actually jumped on the bandwagon with the bad guys, the Assyrians, and he joined forces there, made an evil country, and they conquered the northern kingdom of Israel. God didn't like that very much. He was not very happy with this. But what happened was it made Judah vulnerable. And when push came to shove, the Assyrians turned on Judah and left Jerusalem unprotected. And it wasn't long after that, the Babylonians, another bad group, were setting and waiting. And when these armies started to fight, when they saw their chance, they stepped in, they marched in, and they overtook Jerusalem. So they overtook the southern kingdom. 
Isaiah, who was the prophet at the time, he was watching all of this, sitting back, watching the bad guys take over, the good guys lose, and he made some prophecies about God's people. So before we even start to read, you've got to see it this way. The book of Isaiah tells us a, a really cool story about God, God's judgment and salvation. There's two things in this. He tells us a story of God's judgment. Yes, there's going to be judgment, but also hope of a salvation that's to come. And he reminds us that, that God is the only one, the Holy One of Israel. God is holy, and he's going to do some amazing things. So as we read through this book, Isaiah is, described, is describing Israel as a nation that is blind and deaf. Judgment. Israel is described as a vineyard that's going to be trampled over judgment. He's describing them as a people completely lacking justice and righteousness, judgment. And Israel is going to be cut down like a tree. So here's this big tree, Israel, that God has built up, and they're going to cut them off, and they're going to be cut down, and only a stump is going to remain. That's their judgment. But he also writes about salvation. He also writes about hope. The divided nations will come back together. They will unite and return to the land of peace. There's hope and there's salvation to come. So if you're there with me, Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1, says this, A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. All right, if you've ever wanted to read the Christmas story from the Old Testament, this is it. The Christmas story from the Old Testament is right here in Isaiah chapter 11. It's a beautiful story of Christmas, of what's coming and what we can prepare for. But here's what he does. He calls, Isaiah calls the lineage of David, David's line, the Davidic dynasty, the stump of Jesse. This is the only time in the Old Testament that David's line is called by his father's name. So Jesse is the father of David, and Isaiah actually calls the line that David comes from, that Jesus comes from, the stump of Jesse. It, it's a great um, picture that he's trying to paint for us. Isaiah predicts that the Davidic dynasty is going to be completely cut off so that the only thing that remains is this. Giving us, giving us clear, a clear picture that there's only one place that Jesus can come from. No doubt that the Messiah comes from David. So for Isaiah, the stump represents all that was left of the glorious promise of the Davidic kingdom. If you remember this story, if you're going to go back, we just talked about it here at Crestview. The last couple months, we walked through this. The northern kingdoms of Israel had fallen to the Assyrians. The southern kingdom of Jerusalem had fallen shortly after that to the Babylonians. And then it's this promised land. You know, Moses and Aaron, Pharaoh's what we went through. The Red Sea, the 40 years, the Ten Commandments. You know these stories of Moses and how great it was going to be. It has now fallen, overtaken by their enemies. And many Jews stood back and couldn't see any further than what's right in front of them. They couldn't see past the stump that was right now in front of them. Completely dominated their horizon. It was dead. It was barren. It was a testimony to everything that they had believed in. And now they had lost. It's gone. And you're probably sitting here wondering, what does this have to do with Christmas or me? Why, why are you talking about some Assyrian armies and kings and Ahaz? Well, I don't get it. What, what does this have to do with me? Because I know some of you and I know some of your stories. And there's been times in your life where you thought everything was going great. You thought everything was awesome. You thought you had built this, 
this kingdom of your life and everything was perfect and then something happened and everything went away. Everything that you thought was going to be there, the future that you had painted for yourself, the future that you had set up saying, this is going to be what's going to happen and this is what I'm going to do, all of a sudden it has changed and you're not on that path anymore. Something is different now and all you can see is the problem that's in front of you. You're staring at a stump of a vision, a plan, a dream that you used to have that isn't, didn't turn out the way you wanted it to. And you don't know what to do. You don't know how to get past today. You don't know how to think about tomorrow. You've been in a situation like that, whether it was the economy at some time in your life when the economy tanked, your investments aren't there anymore, your retirement you know, fell through, your, your stuff is all gone, whatever it was that you purchased, it just didn't last. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's your physical health. You thought for sure this was the life I was going to have. And now because of this in my body, I, I can't do life the way I thought it was going to be. Whatever that might be. Maybe it's not you. It's someone else that you love that it's changed now. Maybe it's a relationship. Your family. You used to have relationships with them. You don't anymore. It's just not there. Maybe it's your marriage. You can't, you can't see out of this one. You can't see that there's actually a way to get through this marriage or it's, it's actually over and you're not sure how to take the next step and what to do. could be your work, you know, you can't quit, you can't get fired. You would like to, one of those two, but you can't figure out how to make it happen, right? Maybe it's school, maybe it's your church even. Whatever it is, there have been times in your life when you feel like the people of Israel Something has suddenly been cut off. Your dreams, your hopes, your aspirations seem to have disappeared like smoke and all that is left is a stump of unrealized expectations. I hate those words. (laughs) I even underlined them in red in my notes. Unrealized expectations. Yuck. Here's the good news. The good news of Isaiah, the good news of the Gospels, the good news of today is that God wants you to know that he is the restorer of dreams. He's the restorer of hope. He's the restorer of your aspirations. He can do it. Even when you cut a tree down and there's only a stump, a sprout can start out of that stump. You've been there before, haven't you? You're working in your, your yard, your garden, wherever it might be. You cut something down, a weed, and you're like, hey, I got it. And two days later, you look out there and it's like, what? How can that be growing out of that? And you try it again. Well, as the people of God, the scriptures like to describe us metaphorically. Um, scriptures are good at this to describe us. They describe us as trees and as vineyards. We are God's garden. And God, sometimes he'll cut down sick trees out of our life even when we're fond of them and we like them a little bit so that something new and healthy can grow. And if we're staring at the stumps in our life, the hope of Jesus is a time to allow the spirit to, to feel the breeze that's coming around us, of God moving again, to take a deep breath in the spirit of who he is right in the middle of your failures, right in the middle of what has failed you, And out of that can become something that was unmanageable, unbearable. God 
can create a new start with that. So do this. Go back to, go back to verse 1. If, you, if you're still there, look at verse 1. Tim, you can put this, this up. Um, verse 1. The word branch is capitalized. I don't know if any of you, did you notice that? Anybody notice that? What? It's bad English. I didn't know my Bible had bad English in it. Why would they capitalize branch in the middle of a sentence, right? It's because it's referring to none other than Jesus. It's a picture of Jesus, the branch. Jesus is a legal descendant of David. He is rooted in Judah. He is a Jew himself. And he is called in Isaiah 4-2, the branch of the Lord. He's called in Jeremiah 23, 5, the righteous branch, or my servant, the branch, in Zechariah, or the man whose name is branch in Zechariah 6, 12. And if you read through the Gospels slow enough and you look for it, you can see throughout the Gospels him described as this branch. In Matthew, he's David's righteous branch. In Mark, he's my servant, the branch. In Luke, he's a man whose name is branch. And in John, he's the branch of Jehovah, God. Here's the crazy part, and I think this is where we get stuck in our time of moving ahead after something gets cut off in our lives. This, this is the part that we struggle with. I, I know I do. It's not our job to come out of the stump. That's the job of Jesus. He's the one that's to come out of the stump. He is the branch coming out. It's not my job. That's too much pressure on me. That's too much pressure on you. Don't try and be Jesus. Jesus is really good at Jesus. Don't be Jesus, okay? Let him be the, the branch that comes out of the stump. We are to be the vines that come out of the branch. We're to trust and rely on him And he will one day fulfill the Old Testament promises that God gave to the Jews. And he's going to reign over his kingdom forever. The the trouble is, I know we get here, don't you? You've been here, I've been here. We get too close to the stump. And the Israelites, they were there. They were too short-sighted. The stump was right in front of them and they couldn't see past today. You've been there. You can't understand what's going to happen. The stump is so close to you. You can't look beyond it. You can't look ahead So if you can't look ahead, where do you look? Behind. You look back. And too often, I think we forget and we try and do it ourselves. And this time of the year is the worst for us. This is when the year catches up to us. And we can't believe it's Christmas already. Didn't we just do this like a couple weeks ago? It's as if we've been on a road trip. We've been on a road trip, traveling through our life, and rather than enjoying the journey, we're white-knuckled, hanging onto the steering wheel, holding too tightly, trying to resist the intrusive thought that we might be going the wrong direction, (laughs) or that our fuel tank is dangerously low, and we need to do something about our spirit that's in us. And we tell ourselves, as long as we don't stop, We can coast in through the end and we'll do it all again next year. We'll be fine. Well, this condition of the Spirit is best seen by the Pharisees in Matthew's story. So Matthew, the first book in the the New Testament, it, it had been 400 years since the Old Testament, since the last prophecy of God. 400 years in between the Old and New Testament. 400 years since they had heard the living word of God. 400 years since they had taken a break from their road trip and, and tried to get off and refuel or get more gas or ask directions 400 years when they hadn't heard from God. And when we haven't heard from God in a long time, our religion, it, it just becomes a replacement for the spiritual rather than the facilitator for the spiritual. 
And instead of moving us forward, it holds us back and we can't see beyond it. It becomes our shield, something we hide behind. And we don't expect to hear God anymore. We get suspicious of those who, who proclaim that they hear God, right? Don't tell me about my religion, right? Especially for them, Matthew, some wild-eyed, hairy guys living down by the river, which is to say, we cease to respond to God when he approaches us in new and unusual ways. And it was John the Baptist that came along, this wild-eyed, hairy guy down by the river who came claiming there is one coming. Jesus is coming. Stay in Isaiah. Don't leave there, but look at Matthew chapter 3. Um, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is he who is spoken of through the prophet Isaiah. This is John the Baptist talking about what Isaiah said. A voice of one calling in the desert, Prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. So for those of us, you and me, that there, there are times we need to pull off on the side of the road of life and just take a break. Maybe we just need to rest. Maybe we need to get the map out again and, and look at the map. Am I going in the right direction? Maybe for some, it's time to pull back onto the road. Okay, I've been sent here for long enough. All I can see is a stump, but I need to move on. I need to keep going. Am I going the right direction? I've checked the map. I need to go. But here's a message of John. He says, repent. Don't just keep going, but repent. It's a difficult word for us to capture in English from the original text and what it meant then to what we think it means today in, in our language, repent. It doesn't just mean confess your sins. Th that's one thing. Repent actually means stop doing them. <laughs> Stop doing that, turn a different direction, get back on the road, but go a different way. The Apostle Paul, he, he says it this way, he says, throw off the sin that it entangles you and weighs you down because it's a barrier to listening to God. You can't hear God if that's in your life. So how do you respond to it? What do you have to do? You have to get back into that, that passionate um, relationship with who God is in you. You have to get off the stump you have to stop looking at the stump. You have to move beyond it. And first, we have to realize that this message that he gives is a gift. It's not another wearisome attempt to boost our attitudes towards God or our religion towards God. It's actually God coming off of the stump to us and saying, I'll meet you. I'll come to you. Our part is just faith, trusting in what's coming out of that stump. It's a, at its simplest level, it means being willing to entertain the thought that God is really here with us and to rekindle whatever ember or hope you used to have in that enthusiasm for God. It's the Apostle Paul. He said it, faith is the assurance of things we hope for and the confidence of things not seen. So I get it. Maybe you're thinking, oh, it's been too long since I've heard from God. I believe it, the people in the New Testament, they were sure thinking that. It had been a long time. Maybe for you, you're thinking, it's been a long time since I've heard from God. Maybe it feels like ages, right, since you've heard from him. But he's telling you, get off the stump. Look beyond. Keep moving ahead. Behold, Emmanuel is here. God is with us. So does God still speak? 
through prophets today? Does God still speak through his prophets today? Does God still speak to us today? Uh, yeah. You're here. Are you listening? So what's been happening right now, right here, we've been listening to God speak to us. Are you listening to him? People say, we don't hear like we do in the Old Testament, right? No, because we're not in the Old Testament anymore. We're, in the, we're beyond the New Testament. Jesus has already come. He's coming back. This is what he has to tell us. So I'm going to encourage you to get ready for Christmas. Let Jesus speak to you. But that means some preparation. That means you've got to do something. It, the Advent season isn't just some tradition or traditional thing to do. It's reading God's word, preparing your hearts and your minds for Jesus. So I'm going to encourage you, do some Advent readings. The, the time between now and Christmas, typically they start December 1st. I, start today. Wh- whatever it takes, I want, I want you to, to research a little bit. Find something. Your Bible app has some readings. Find a devotional somewhere that you can read through the story leading up to Christmas. Get your heart ready for him. Listen to what God has to say and let the Holy Spirit lead you in this. Dads, take, take charge in this. Lead your families See what can happen when you start to read through scriptures and let God and let the Holy Spirit lead you through. And when you let the Holy Spirit lead you through this, here's a cool part. We're finally getting to verse 2, okay? Chapter 11, verse 2. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. Slow down when you read. Look at this. All three persons of the Godhead are in chapter 11, verse 2 of Isaiah. He goes right there. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All three people, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Lord, Jehovah, God, it will rest on him. Him is Jesus. That's Christ. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. And verses two and following, verse three, the Spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the Spirit of counsel and of power, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. Now, I don't know if you've been counting or if you're waiting for me to bring it back up, but that's seven what we read about in Revelation to start this, the sevenfold Spirit of God from Revelation back to Isaiah, from Isaiah to Revelation, the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of wisdom, the Spirit of understanding, the Spirit of counsel, the Spirit of power, the Spirit of knowledge, and the Spirit of the fear of the Lord. Not, not the fear of the stump, not the fear of what's happening in your life, but the fear of God. And he will supernaturally be endowed by the sevenfold Holy Spirit of God. And the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. It will empower him with wisdom and understanding and counsel and power and knowledge and fear. And guess what? You have that same Spirit living in you. Jesus even said it. It's better for me to go... And we're like, whoa, 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 dude, you're Jesus. Don't leave. And he goes, no, seriously, it's better for me to go so that you can have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is with us. And Israel needed to understand the source of peace, the spirit of peace. Do you, would you like that? How many of you want the spirit of peace? That would be a great thing this time of year, wouldn't it? Israel was a nation which stood on the brink of war and devastation, and the people continued to live in sin all the time wondering why, why there's no lasting peace in this life. In this. Hmm. 
If you add it up, it makes sense. Peace for all of us. We all long for it. We want it. And for some reason, we stubbornly refuse to yield to him who gives it to us. The spirit of the Lord. We long for wisdom, but we don't ask for it. We lack understanding, but we don't go to him who possesses it. We need counsel and advice, but we don't listen. We need power, but we don't tap into it. We need knowledge, but we choose not to study. We fear, um, but we fear the wrong things. We fear what's in front of us instead of God. We beg to know God's will for, for our lives, but yet we fall short of asking him. Here's the best part. We've got to read on. Verse 4 and following. There's a description of this kingdom that God is going to bring and set It's a time of honest judgment. Sin is going to be judged and dealt with. But yet, something's going to be restored. Remember, it's twofold. It's a judgment, but yet it's hope. And there is a literal promise and a literal kingdom which he is going to reign over someday. I'm going to read it to you. You can follow along um, in your Bibles, but I want to read it and listen to this. Verse 3, he will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness, he will judge the needy and justice, with justice, he will give the decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with breath, his lips will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness, the sash around his waist. That's the judgment part, but follow along here. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat and the calf will, and the lion and the yearling together. And the little child will lead them. And the cow will feed with the bear and their young will lie down together. And the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the hole of the cobra and the young child will put his hand in the viper's nest and they will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And in that day, the root of Jesse, Jesus, will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him and his place of rest will be glorious. And in that day, the Lord will reach out his hand a second time in the re- to reclaim the remnant that is left of his people. And he goes to describe where his people are coming from, his people. And as we read the passage, as you see that Isaiah, man, it's important to understand that Isaiah is describing not only the birth of Christ, but also the second coming of Christ. Because that's the only time the lion's going to lay down with the lamb and the leopard's going to lie down with the goat and the calf and the lion and the yearling together. It's, it's an amazing thing to me that a prophecy that was written 3,500 years ago is yet to be fulfilled. And Isaiah predicts this. It's a beautiful vision. And when we read it and we ask, are we there yet? We got to know. No, we're not there yet. It will take shape when Jesus comes again. I don't think there's, just, there's not enough righteousness or faithfulness available in this world. Not enough people who are committed to the practice of peace instead of violence. But in the meantime, where we're at, where we're living right now with the stump maybe in front of you, as we prepare for Christmas, you can graft your life into the shoot that has emerged out of the stump of Jesse and pray for peace to fill us, to transform us. It's a gospel message in Isaiah. It's it's right there. It's a gentle breeze blowing. The Spirit of God is moving and a new shoot is coming forth out of the stump. It's tender, seemingly small compared to the stump that was there before, but the Spirit of God is here for you in a new way. 
And it can bear fruit for you like the stump never did. The great desires of our hearts were originally called to be the people of faith, you know, and it's going to happen. The spirit of understanding, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of power and of counsel and of knowledge and of fear, it's in you. And Isaiah offers this image of a child. I love this. The child appears again and again and again throughout his poem. The child is leading and playing and reaching out his hand. And Isaiah recalls us to faith. It's not limitless to, or limited to what seems impossible. Because only a child could imagine an age-old enemies like lions and calves lying together or bears or cows feeding out of the same trough. In the kingdom under Christ, there will be reconciliation for an age, age-old enemies. And our love, and our wrath, and our fears, and our dreams, and our faith, and our doubt, our best and our worst, we will be inclined under all the righteousness of the peacefulness of God. Even in the Psalms, the psalmist wrote, Unite my heart to reverence you, O God. Meaning this, God, can you take all the loose and frayed ends of my life, all those broken relationships, all those times, all those broken dreams, all those frayed ends of my soul, can you re-sow them? Can you make them new again? God, can you take this stump of my dreams? Can you rebuild that? And Christmas really is God saying, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, that's easy. Bring it on. If we trust and believe that he can. You know, a missionary, a missionary is someone who is sent by Jesus Christ just as God sent him to us. The great controlling factor, though, is not the needs of the people. And here's where I think we oftentimes get this confused. Um, It's not the needs of the people that we go out to be missionaries to. It's the command of Jesus that's important. The source of our inspiration in our service for God is, is behind us, not ahead of us. The tendency for us today is to put all the inspiration out in front. You know, what can we accomplish? What can we do? Um, and sweep everything together in front of us and make it conform to our definition of success and what success looks like. But in the New Testament, the inspiration is put behind us. Sometimes you can't see what's in front of you because there's a stump in the way. And you don't look back at your history. You look back at the history to be encouraged by what God can do and to say, I know what's beyond because I know what he has done before. So, for you, this Christmas, maybe that's it. For Christmas, this time, this year, maybe for you, it's to say, I got to get beyond this stump. And I needed to hear that. I needed to hear someone tell me something new can come out of that. The stump is still a reality. It's still there. It's not going to take that away. But what God can do is something better and new for you. And if you remember what Christ has done, it'll give you the encouragement to keep going forward. And if you need someone to tell you more about Jesus, to pray for you, to pray with you, to encourage you, I'd love to do that. Any of us here as a staff, we'd love to encourage you and help you with that. But maybe, maybe that's not it. Maybe for you it's that idea of a missionary to say, there's someone else that needs to know about this. And we don't go on a mission to tell them. We go on a mission because Jesus asked us to go tell them. 
Jesus wants us to go tell them about himself. We want to make it the best we can for you. So we handed these out um, again today. This is just an invitation to our Christmas time, a series that we have coming up um, starting next week and, and throughout the month. We want to make it easy for you to be that for someone else. How can you invite them? Take as many of these as you want. They're out um, on the Welcome Center. Hand them out or just put it up somewhere so you're reminded to invite somebody to one of the Sundays coming up. It's an easy time to invite somebody to come to church with you as Christmas. And maybe he's saying somebody else needs your help getting beyond. If you would, let's stand together and continue in our service this morning.